still a, a, a following. Anywhere Jesus went, there was always people there. And there were some Pharisees there and, and, and Jesus took the opportunity to throw a little shade, little, little darts at him, little rocks. And kind of the, the chapter 10, we have that uh, uh, parallel going on as well. So I'm going to start at verse 39 in the uh, Chapter 9, Gospel of John, and then end up with uh, John 10, 10. And it says here, and, and Jesus said, For judgment I am come unto the world, 
that they which see not might, might see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin, but now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. And he that entereth in the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said he, then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So here in, in the 10th chapter, uh, Christ is making two claims and, and as one using that I am statement again. And again, the Hebrew audience understood what that meant, uh, kind of putting him up with a level of or putting him up with at the level of God, just like Moses was there at the burning bush and he had the I am experience. So anytime here in the Gospel of John, we have an I am statement. Uh, it always the Pharisees and, and those who knew the Jewish population knew when Christ said, I am, he was putting himself level playing ground with God and which he is. Um, so he says, I am the door. And later on in the chapter, he talks about I am the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to talk mostly about the door. And uh, of course, he throws calls the Pharisees, you know, even though you think you see you're blind. You know, you know all the law, you know all this, that, and the other, but you can't see the Messiah right in front of your face. And he goes on here at the beginning of chapter 10 and talks about the sheepfold and kind of gives us two, two examples of the, of the sheepfold. Uh, one about the porter and, and one with the good shepherd, or one who's the shepherd. Um, And to get everybody's attention, he's talking about here, verily, verily, 
In other words, I have something important to say. And he uses that twice in this passage of Scripture. So pay attention. Pay attention. I'm, I'm telling you something important. And uh, we get to the point here where uh, he's talking about the sheepfold. When you, when you talk about a sheepfold, there was kind of two different types. One that was one that had several flocks in it that was very built very substantially, very big. Uh, the other one was a lot plainer. And, and on the bigger one, typically there would be a porter or uh, a gatekeeper. The Bible said, uses the word hireling. So somebody who was paid by the owner of the sheep or the flocks of the sheep to kind of make sure that gate stayed closed. The other, other type of sheepfold was very simple. It was made out of rocks or stones, kind of in a semicircle or a circle with a gap. And typically, those are smaller flocks, and the shepherd would act as the door himself. He would actually literally lay down in front of the door so the sheep couldn't go in or out unless they went through him. And so he had the kind of the contrast there between the Pharisees and, and God, Pharisees and Christ. Um, and as he refers to thief and robbers, he's, he's talking about the, the Pharisees. And, and so we'll get into more of that uh, probably the next time I preach when I talk about the Good Shepherd. Um, so here in, in, this, in this whole, whole story, you know, that, that things haven't changed in over 2,000 years. We, we come to the fact that they didn't want to understand it. They didn't there in verse six. It says this parable spake Jesus to them, but they understood not what things there were which spake unto them. And he's talking about, you know, salvation. He's talking about faith. He's talking about himself. And um, he's talking about grace. And when I was thinking and praying about this, you know, how, how, how grace is so important. You know, it was by grace that that blind man and Jesus had his encounter. It's by grace 30 some years ago in October in 1986 that I had an encounter. It was by grace that we saw M come forward and receive Christ. And then there's that element of faith, that, that step, that, that step of faith, that as small as a grain of a mustard seed, that's all it takes is just a little faith. And then understanding it is Christ and Christ alone. And, and that day it was hard for, for the, the, the folks, the, the, the Pharisees and, and the non-believers to, to comprehend that. And that's no different than it is today. And it, and it is so, so simple. It really, really is. So digging into this a little bit, we look at... Um, verse 7 and 
Verse 7 says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, again, calling their attention. I'm getting ready to say something important. I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. There we have that I am statement. We have the article, the. It's not a door. It's not door number one, number two, number three, like the whatever the game show is. It used to be with Monty Price. What was it? No. no. Let's make a deal. There we go. With Monty Hall, and I think uh, Wayne Brady's the host of that now. Um, yeah, you know, just just thinking about that, you know, if you had a choice at door one, two, and three, they, they, they have an opportunity. You had to have something in your purse or on your person that they were looking for. Right? And, and you don't need that. There's no choice. Christ is the door. Amen. There's no, nothing in your purse. There's nothing in your wallet. There's nothing, no good work, no philanthropy, no philanthropy whatever that word is, being good, giving money, whatever, that you can do to have the opportunity to go through that door. Grace, faith, Christ. That's all it takes. That's all, all it takes. And, that, and that, that door is very exclusive. Um, Again, there's no door one, two, or three. It's, it's exclusive. It's one door. And the, the problem is, is that you, know, you have God, you have this wall, and then you have us. Mm-hmm. And that wall is a separation between us and God because of sin. Okay? And like a thief and a robber, we can't climb over that wall. It's infinitely tall. The only way to go through is through the door. And that door is Christ. And that's the, that's the point he's trying to make here to all these folks. That's exclusive. We live in a society today uh, of inclusivity. Uh, we have all these things, especially in the workplace, uh, for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And trying to get everybody to be you know, respected and equal. And that's, that's good. That's good. But when it comes to the choice between heaven and hell, life or death, it's exclusive. Mm-hmm. There's only one door, Amen. and that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's Jesus. It's inclusive in the fact that whosoever Amen. shall come shall be saved. Mm-hmm. And Christ doesn't make any, anybody uh, enter that door because there in the uh, ninth verse it says if any man enter in mm-hmm. the decision the choice is still up to that individual mm-hmm. you have free choice but God's drawing power that's part of the grace that's why we're here this morning by the grace of God that he allowed us to gather here this morning mm-hmm. so you know, today may be your divine opportunity. I don't know. But you need to realize that grace, you're here. Faith, you need to feel God's calling. You need to take that step and realize that it's Christ. It's not door number two. It's not door number three. It's Christ. And Christ is that door.
In verse 9 here it goes, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall be in and out and find pastures. Christ is making the point here that going through the door, you will be saved. And then you'll have pasture. We come to the point here that that going through that door, not only is it exclusive, but it's a wonderful, amazing, glorious thing. Life changing. Life changing. What it's not saying there is that that he's going to find pastures that provide for you. It's not going to be necessarily easy. Those of us who who have that relationship with Christ know that. We have ups and downs. We lose loved ones. Illness comes. Finances. Troubles. But we have that peace. We have that protector. We have that security in Christ. That uh, sin chasm, that wall that Christ is the door to. I have a, I have a, 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 a great illustration by Herschel Four, Baptist preacher from, I think he's still alive, but back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, he was a uh, very strong author and uh, uh, has this to say about this passage. It says, a door is a direct contrast to a wall. It's hard to climb the wall. It's easy to go through a door. Anyone who wants to get to God doesn't have to climb. He just takes a step. A preacher preached a sermon on the text. Him that cometh to me, I will know why is cast out. After the service, a young woman said to him, is that all I have to do? Just come to God through Christ. Just come as I am. Just come this instant. Yes, answered the preacher. The young woman fell on her knees and said, Lord, I do come. I accept you. Promise to take me. The joy of salvation fluttered her soul. And later she said, for years I have been stumbling because I didn't know how simple it was. I didn't know that you just had to come to God through Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I read that, I, I, I thought of so many things. How, how easy it is and how, how the world, and speaking from my own experience, how we're looking for something to satisfy that innate yearning to be reunited with God. It's not in the bar. It's not on the internet. It's not in this world. It's not the. It's not the position of power. It's not any of that. It's Christ. Amen. Christ and that that peace, and it's it's such a glorious thing. Such a glorious, a wonderful, and amazing thing to have. God love you so much that He sent His only begotten Son. To die on that cross of Calvary. And there's benefits. Mm-hmm. Chapter verses nine and ten. 
I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not for by to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The benefits. I already touched on salvation. But salvation alone, you, you think about that, salvation the end? No, it's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, a, a marriage. Um, you know, so a couple comes together and the wedding day, the celebration and, and everything, it's not the end, it's the beginning. That couple grows together, they mature together, they become intimate to each other, they rely on each other. That's, that's what salvation's about. All those things... It, we, we grow in our relationship with Christ. We, we mature. We, we're intimate. We grow and, and all those things. Um, that's what salvation is all about. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, I'm saved. I'm good to go. I'm done. No, it's, it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not something on the checklist. It's a relationship. And from that relationship, you grow and become stronger for it. The other benefit is, 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 is like safety, security. Um, where it says there, go in and out. Um, there in verse 9, the kind of the Hebrew Hebrew. Uh, is referring to like liberty, Christian liberty, the freedom that we have. Uh, we, we've often heard that, oh, you're saved, you can't do anything. And it's not the, I can't, it's I don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard Rod, Brother Roger over the years say, you know, people asking him about this, that, 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 either at the shop or at the bowling alley. And, you know, it's not that I can't do it, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I have Christ inside me. And I want to live for him. And we have that, that Christian uh, perspective, that Christian worldview. Um, that Christian liberty. Um, you know, when we talk about Christian liberty, you know, we, we come together as a congregation here at Middle Urbana Missionary Baptist Church. And we, and we have a, a belief system that is fairly solid and many of us are very like-minded in that especially on the fundamentals once saved always saved um, eternal salvation things of that nature or 19 articles of faith but that's not to say that there's there's different convictions and things that we live individually that we don't differ from each other you know we don't see a hundred percent eye to eye on things but that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's part of that Christian liberty. Mm-hmm. I may choose to some, do something and Brother Joe or Brother Bob may say, oh, I, I wouldn't do that. Or vice versa. It's part of that Christian liberty. Um, back in the 1500s when Martin Luther was putting up his edicts to, to reform the Catholic Church and the, the Protestant Reformation, uh, Charles V was the emperor of a lot of the uh, civilized world, I'll put it. He was king of several com- countries and, and uh, 
but he wanted, being the ruler, he was trying to impose Catholicism on all his empire. And Martin Luther was trying to reform and, and get away from Catholicism and, and, and the tradition and the, and the rules, very pharisaical. Um, and so they butted heads a lot. Thousands of people died during that period of time. And when Charles V gave up the throne, he, he ended up going into, into a, a monastery, a Catholic monastery, to spend the rest of his life. And it's, it's said that he, uh, to pass the time, that he had 12 clocks. And his goal was to get all 12 clocks to run the same, synchronously. And uh, the, the, it says that, uh, it goes on to say that, you know, he said, makes this statement, how foolish I have been to think that I could make all men believe alike about religion when I cannot make two clocks run together. There's, not, there's no two of us in this room that think or believe 100% the same way. For human, it's just it's just the way it is. But we have that security, we have that safety, we have that Christian liberty to be able to go in and out and live our lives for Christ as He leads us. The other benefit there is, in, in besides that provision of that 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 provision of the the, the pastures. Uh, there in verse, uh, verse 10, and they might have it more abundantly. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a bounty of this provision. The blessings are uncountable. No matter your situation, no matter what the struggle is, God's blessings and the promise of what's after this life Amen. is more than worth it. Mm-hmm. Again, we, we, we're looking at a finite Time, from the time you're born to the time you die. And eternity lasts forever. So it's just a speck. It's, it's not even a speck in, in the vastness of, of, of time that we constrain ourselves to, to the foreverness of a life with Christ. God will, will bless us. In, in everything that we do, the good times, the bad times, and he will take care of us. Uh, Paul writes in, in uh, Philippians 4.19, he says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Not our wants. A lot, there's a lot of things I want, but he takes care of us, our needs. Might be, not be driving a Lamborghini. Might not have a million dollars in the bank. But he's, he's watched over us and taken care of us over the years. By his grace. By walking in faith. And in Christ. He is the door. Mm-hmm. It's not the name on the church. It's not the baptismal. It's not works. It's not giving giving money. It's not... This that or the other. It's Christ. Mm-hmm. He is the door. 
So if we have a verse of a song. Do you know do you know Jesus? Can you say Jesus is your savior? Is he my savior? That word my is is very very personal, very possessive. Is he my savior? Like when I say my wife, my missy, you know, I'm I'm picking her out or pointing her out above all other women. When I say my child, you know, that's that's precious because they're mine. They're they're my offspring. It's one say say, well, I need a savior, but if Christ is the Savior, is he your Savior? Can you say Jesus is my Savior? I don't know what your struggle is this morning. I don't know what the stumbling blocks. I don't know if you think it's door number one, two, or three. It's not. It's Jesus. As we stand and have one verse of the song.